Alrighty, Maxwell, whenever you're ready, Deuteronomy 12 and 13. Alright. A reading from the book of Deuteronomy, chapters 12 through 13. One place for worship. Here are the laws that you are to obey as long as you live in the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Listen to them. In the land that you are taking, destroy all the places where the people worship their gods on high mountains, on hills, and under the green trees. Tear down their altars and smash their sacred stone pillars to pieces. Burn their symbols of the goddess Asherah and chop down their, their idols, so that they will never again be worshipped at those places. Do not worship the Lord your God in the way that these people worship their gods. Out of the territory of all your tribes, the Lord will choose the one place where the people are to come into his presence and worship there you are to offer your sacrifices that are to be burned and your other sacrifices, your teeths and your offerings, the gifts that you promised to the Lord, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your cattle and sheep. There in the presence of the Lord, your God, who has blessed you, you and your families, will eat and enjoy the good things that you have worked for. When the time comes, you must not do as you have been doing until now you have have you have all been worshiping as you please because you have not yet entered the land that the lord your god is giving you where you can live in peace where you cross the jordan river the lord will let you occupy the land and live there he'll keep you safe from all the, the enemies and you will live in peace the lord will choose a single place where he is to be worshiped and there you must bring him into bring to him everything that I have commanded, your sacrifices that are to be burned and your other sacrifices, your teeth and your offerings, and those special gifts that you have promised to the Lord. Be joyful in his presence, together with your children, your servants, and the Levites who live in your towns. Remember that the Levites will have no land of their own. You are not to offer your sacrifices wherever you choose. You must offer them in the one place that the Lord will choose in the territory of one of your tribes. Only there are you to offer your sacrifices that, that are to be burned and do all the other things that I have commanded you. But you are free to kill and eat your animals wherever you live. You may eat as many as the Lord gives you. All of you, whether ritually clean or unclean, may eat them, just as you would eat the meat of deer or antelope. But you must not eat their blood. You must pour it out on the ground like water. Nothing that you offer to the Lord is to be eaten in the places where you live, neither the teeth of your grain, your wine, or your olive oil, nor the firstborn of your cattle and sheep, the gifts that you promise to the Lord, your free will offerings, or any other offerings. Your, you and your children, together with your servants and the Levites who live in your towns, are to eat these offerings only in the presence of the Lord your God in the one place of worship chosen by the Lord your God. And you are to be happy there over everything that you have done. Be sure also not to neglect the Levites as long as you live in your land. When the Lord your God enlarges your territory, as he promised, you may eat meat wherever you, whenever you, go, you want to. If the, one, if, if the one place of worship is too far away, then... Wherever you wish, you may kill any of the cattle or sheep that the Lord has given you, 
and you may eat the meat at home, as I have told you. Anyone ritually clean or unclean may eat the meat, just as he would eat meat of deer or antelope. Only do not eat meat with blood salt in it, for the life is in the blood, and you must not eat the life with the meat. Do not use the blood for food. Instead, pour it on the ground like water. If you obey this command, the Lord will be pleased, and all will go well for you and your descendants. Take to the one place of worship your offerings and the gifts that you have promised the Lord. Offer there the sacrifices which are to be completely burned on the Lord's altar. Also offer those sacrifices in which you eat the meat and pour the blood out on the altar. Obey faithfully everything that I have commanded you, and all will go well for you and your descendants forever, because you will be doing what is right and what pleases the Lord your God. Warning against idolatry. The Lord your God will destroy the nations as you invade their land and you will occupy it and settle there. After the Lord destroys those nations, make sure that you don't follow the religious practices, because that would be fatal. Do, don't try to find out how they worship their gods so that you can worship in the same way. Do not worship the Lord your God in the way they worship their gods, for in the worship of their gods, they do all the disgusting things that the Lord hates. They even sacrifice their children in the fire on the altars. Do, do everything that I have commanded you. Do not add anything to it or take anything from it. Prophets or interpreters of dreams may promise a miracle or a wonder in order to lead you to worship and serve gods that have not worshipped that you have not worshipped before. Even if what they promise comes true, do not pay attention to them. The Lord your God is using them to test you, to see if you love the Lord with all your heart. Follow the Lord and honor him. Obey him and keep his commands. Worship him and be faithful to him. Be put to death, but put to death any interpreters of dreams or prophets that tell you to rebel against the Lord, rescued you from Egypt, where you were slaves. Such people are evil and are trying to lead you away from the life that the Lord has commanded you to live. They must be put to death in order to rid yourselves of this evil. Even, even your brother or your son or your daughter or the wife you love or your closest friend may secretly encourage you to worship other gods, gods that you and your ancestors have never worshipped. Some of them may encourage you to worship the gods of the people who live near you, or the gods of those who live far away. But do not let any of them persuade you. Do not even listen to them. Show them no mercy or pity, and do not protect them. Kill them. Be the first to stone them, and then let everyone else stone them too. Stone them to death. They have tried to lead you away from the Lord your God, who rescued you from Egypt where you were slaves, then all the people of Israel will hear what happened. They will be afraid, and no one will ever again do such an evil thing. When, when you are living in the towns that the Lord your God gives you, you may hear that some worthless people of your nation have misled the people of their town to worship gods that you have never worshipped before. If you hear such a rumor, investigate it thoroughly. And if it is true that this evil thing did happen, then kill all the people in that town and all their livestock too. 
destroy that town completely, bring together all the possessions of the people who live there and pile them up in the town square, then burn the town and everything in it as an offering to the Lord your God. It must be left in ruins forever and never again be rebuilt. Do not keep for yourselves anything that the like, was condemned to destruction. And then the Lord will, will turn from his fierce anger and show you mercy. He will be merciful to you and make you a numerous people, as he promised your ancestors. If you obey all his commands that I've given you today and do what he requires. Great. Thank you so much, so much, Maxwell, for reading all of that. Um, right. So we have here uh, chapter 12, 13. So really, as we begin going forward, chapters 12 to 26, there's these 15 chapters. They contain the um, what sometimes are called the Deuteronomic Code. Right. So with other um, certain laws given by God in the Old Testament. The penalties enumerated for transgressing the law, they might seem uh, disproportionate, disproportionate to the sins involved. But these uh, punishments, however, they really emphasize the seriousness of the offenses and uh, they served as an effective uh, deterrent, right? So we see that the promised land was surrounded by pagan nations right in israel it had a huge history of um failing to falling to pray to idol worship as we know right and other pagan practices and so this strict discipline was really needed to protect and preserve the uh, people of god from infidelity and corruption sadly like when um these type of i guess these type of uh, laws or like, yeah, something you have to follow um, are put into place. Like, as for instance, the um, the requirements that everyone go to confession at least once a year. That like when you have to start putting stuff like that into place, you know, there's like, oh, there's something missing, right? There's something not going on right here. Um, it's it's very sad, but. I mean, with our, our nature, we know um, we do need that push sometimes. And hopefully we go to confession more than once a year. But um, very still true, this discipline, it was really needed, right? And I guess really the same thing um, here. Sometimes we need these type of uh, parameters to um, stay close, right? To be encouraged um, to stay close to the Lord. We we continue to see that uh, there's these false prophets, right? They're known in every age. And um, the people of Israel, they could not allow themselves to be deceived. But since idolatry posed such a really a tremendous danger in uh, undermining this the moral, moral purity of you know, these chosen people, anyone was responsible, or anyone responsible for leading others into the sin would be put to death very very um a lot right <laughs> but still um we see how 
it can be um very needed and not saying that <laughs> anyways but um but something interesting is now i think really uh saint thomas writes on this saint thomas Aquinas writes on this um this the the punishment being proportionate to the sin you know we we offend um our punishment will become threefold because we offend um when we do sin when we do act out we are um disturbing the order this uh this natural order and so uh we will be punished threefold um first by ourselves um the remorse of our conscience second by man and third by god and not all the time um especially with a mortal sin um we offend god who is infinite so our punishment on earth it would um have to be proportionate to that of um in in a sense right as much as we could um but again stressing this importance of staying close to the lord right and um having these strict parameters um very not too much to say about that um but if there are any questions uh if anything i think maxwell you're having something to add um So, so we see this, right? Um, such a a danger that um, the Israelite people are put in. We see time and time again they choose other things over the Lord. But we also see how the Lord keeps um, pursuing Israel, right? We see uh, we talk so much about how Israel is um, this or. Uh, using this imagery of an unfaithful spouse, but the Lord continues to pursue her, right? Um, and just as us, we, the Lord will continue to pursue us as well. Uh, Maxwell, did you have something to add or um, comment on? Seems as you stopped typing. Oh, that is why I also wanted to. Oh, okay, no problem, Maxwell. Um, I also wanted to keep talking about like, um, you know, if since we um mortally sin, we offend God who is infinite. Um, and so our punishment should be infinite. Uh, and then we spend eternity in damnation, right? Um. And St. Thomas, St. Thomas Aquinas, he uh, does a beautiful job of just explaining all of this. Um, I'm actually going to do a paper about punishment. But he talks about um, how it is just, how it is, um, like, it is right that it, it, we incur this punishment, this debt of punishment. Um, and I encourage everyone to read the Summa. Um, it may seem like, oh, the Summa, you want me to read the Summa? Maybe that's just me, because, you know, I love St. Thomas Aquinas, since I, I'm sure you guys know I talk about him so much. But um, really, at some point, pick up the Summa. I think it's in the third 
or the second volume um and, and read about you know mortal sin and, and the punishment and you have these questions um very good stuff at some point in your life right but anyways <laughs> enough of my ramble we go on to proverbs uh we have proverbs 16 today so uh human i wonder if you're ready feel free proverbs 16 the plans of the mind be- belong to mortals but the but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All one's ways may be pure in one's eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of the trouble. For those who are in ignorant are an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, they will they will not be go unpunished by loyalty and faithfulness inequity in, in is tarnished for by the fear of the lord one avoids evil when the ways of the people please the lord he causes their enemies to be at peace with them better is a little with righteousness than a large income with injustice the human the human mind pl- plans the way but the lord directs the steps inspired directions are the lips of the king. His mouth does not sin in judgment. On his balance and the scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bags are his works. It is abomination to the kings to dub, to do evil. For the throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of the king, and he loves those who speak with the, what is right. A king's wrath is a messenger of death, and whoever is wise will appease it if in the light of the king king's face there is life and then the favor is like the clouds that might bring that might that bring in spring rain how much better to to get wisdom than gold to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver the highway of the upright avoids evil those who guard their ways preserve their lives. Pride goes before destruction, and the haughty the spirit before a fall. It is better to be a lowly spirit among the poor than divide the spoil with the proud. Those who are attentive to the the, ma- the matter will prosper, and those who will tr- and, the- and happy are those who trust in the Lord. The wise heart is called perceptive. And the ple- and the pez- and the pleasant speech increases persuasiveness. Wisdom is is a fountain of life to one who has it, but a folly is in punishment of fools. The mind of the wise makes their speech judicious, and and adds persuasiveness to their lips. The pleasant word pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness uh, to the to the soul and the health to the body. Sometimes there is a way that seems to be bright, seems to be right, but in the end there is a way to death. The appetite of workers works for them. Their hunger urges them on. Scoundrels conduct evil, and their speech is scorching fire. It's like scorching fire. 
a preserved person stri- spreads strife, and a whisper spreads separates co- close friends. The violent incites their neighbors and leads them in the way that is not good. One who thinks the eyes plan preserve things. One who cons- one who compresses the lips brings evil to pass. Gray hair is the crown of glory. It is the gain in the righteous life. One who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and one who whose temper is controlled than one than one who captures a city. The law is in the better of the lamp, but the decision of the Lord but the decision is the Lord's alone. Thank you so much, Ximena, for reading. Um, and that was Proverbs 16. So we were seeing here. Oops. We see here that um, th- there's this prayerful petition for light, right? A well-formed conscience and a decision-making in the presence of God. They're very effective ways of knowing God's will. Um, St. John Paul II, he wrote, With the light of reason, human beings can know which path to take, but they can follow the path to its end quickly and unhindered, only if with a rightly tuned spirit they search for it within the horizon of faith. We see um, verse 12 pointing this out. It says, it is an abomination to kings to do evil for the thrones established by righteousness. This is part of the proper exercise of authority. It involves a hatred of evil, right? And the desire for justice in every decision, every mandate. Again, we're seeing how to live virtuous lives. It's we have been seeing it in Proverbs. Uh, using these things, you know, uh, using these tools, that the Lord gives us this grace to um, a sense of abide in Him, right? And tying all these things together, abide in Him. Um, we see, again, with the light of reason, right? And, and faith, faith in reason, they go together. So this proverb, it's also is illustrated in the Acts of the Apostles when the apostles cast lots to select a replacement for Judas. And we see that they prayed to the Lord, and they trusted that the lots would fall in favor of the man chosen by God, right? trusting the Lord here. And so reflecting the spirit of the early church, uh, we see that the College of Cardinals, they gathered to elect a new pope, right, by praying um, to the Holy Ghost that they might be conduits of God's choice relying in the Lord, relying in Him, uh, His will, trusting, right? And continue, continuing this as we are stressing so much and talking so much about trusting in the Lord fully, right? Again, we see, again, stressing this, uh, uh, a well-formed conscience, decision-making, Right. These are effective ways of knowing God's will. Um, having this hatred of evil. 
it's so beautiful and as joseph always says go back and read this proverb and meditate upon it um do lectio divina with it um and see what the lord is is really saying to you and we see these very beautiful um verses very profound verses that we could spend <laughs> just forever um dissecting them a pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall you know, I, how many of us have, have been there, right? Um, Joseph has talked so much about how pride is the root of all sin. See this? Um, there's so many things that stem from sin that we might not think are sins. But, um, in a sense, they are, right? Um, and it, we see, it goes on to say, it is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. Right? All these beautiful things. And the happiest who trust in the Lord. He who gives heed to the word of, will prosper. Go back over this and, and look over it. Um, what is standing out to you? What is the Lord saying to you? Right? All of these verses, so profound. Um, so much meaning to our life. And, Again, how do you live virtuous lives? Um, remaining in the Lord. The Lord alone brings ultimate happiness. We continue to talk about this. Um, yes. Do please meditate upon this again. Read over it again. And continually ask um, the Lord to show you. Ask him to send his Holy Ghost upon us upon you right and very beautiful as we transition into john uh, chapter 15 for today as we continue to talk about the holy ghost very beautiful if there is no questions we will um, jump into john now um yes but if there's no questions we can go ahead but before that I did want to expound upon some things uh, from yesterday that we read in um, John 14. Just in general, things to think about, to um, a food for thought, right? And reminders. We we see um, these beautiful things, right? Oh, remembering that. The Lord said, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. Christ is speaking of heaven here, where the faithful, we will dwell forever with God as his family. But we cannot achieve this through our own human efforts, right? Rather, we really need Christ's redeeming grace, his redeeming grace. He alone can lead us to our eternal home in heaven, right? Each person will be rewarded according to his or her good works, um, Accomplished in cooperation with the grace of God. This is reminding me of really the <laughs> the divine comedy. How can I, of course, not bring that up? Um, it's not a Bible study, really, if I do not bring up Aquinas and Dante. But yes, in Dante's divine comedy, he um, orders uh, heaven as those... Uh, yeah, according to their um, stay in purgatory, according to uh, their works, um, according to 
I'm not gonna get into it, but we see this. We know that if you, this is church teaching, by the way, um, Dante is a, a little sketch, but um, not sketch, but there's a reason why it was banned by the church for a little bit. But, um, anyways, actual church teaching is that. Um, if we stay in purgatory, the longer we stay in purgatory, and, you know, we have to be purified, the lower in, um, heaven we're going to be, I guess, ranked, right? Um, the, the further away from the beatific vision, I mean, we're all going to be adoring it, um, God willing, but the further the way you will be, right? Um, so, again, that's just going on with what the Catechism says. In heaven, each person will be rewarded according to his or her good works, accomplished in cooperation with the grace of God. So, again, we see that the Lord says he will not leave us desolate. He will, I will not leave you orphans. And he says as disciples, he says all to us. He says, I will come to you. The spiritual presence of Christ he still remains on earth, even after the ascension, right? We know that he is present in the church, in his word, in the liturgy, in communal prayer, in his priestly ministers, and in a unique way. Of course, he is present in the body and blood, soul and divinity, in the Eucharist. Right? And we continue to see that... Um, Christ is known to the world, but only few can um, be known. Only few can know him intimately, right? Only with those, only those who respond to him with love, right? He is a fullness of divine revelation. Through the light of faith, we can understand his divine truths, right? Again, one who loves Christ and keeps the commandments. He will have the the Trinity dwelling within the soul through grace. And we see for this reason, we, uh, our bodies, they're called the temples of the Holy Ghost. Um, and he says that the Holy Spirit will serve as an intercessor before God, right? A source of strength and faith and teacher of truth. He dwells with you and will be in you, we see in John chapter 14. The Holy Spirit is so present and active, both in the church as a community and um, her individual members, right? So, the church herself, each baptized person, um, again, we are rightly called the, uh, or a temple of the Holy Spirit. It is because of this indwelling of the Spirit uh, that those who are dwelling right with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is dwelling in them, we can have true faith in Christ and we will know the Spirit well, right? So beautiful, all these things, Christ promising that this Father will send the Holy Spirit um, upon us, upon his apostles, right? And it helps them to remember all that Christ had done and taught. We see that the Holy Spirit will descend upon um, the apostles at Pentecost, right? These 50 days after Christ rose from the dead. And they will enlighten the, the apostles, teaching them all they had failed to comprehend during this, the ministry of Christ. And it empowers them to, as interpreters and preachers of the word of God, and um, giving them 
is fortitude and courage in the face of persecution and adversary, right? Adversity. <laughs> and we just continue to see that he, or well, through the the Holy Spirit, through the Church, it makes this. Uh, it makes Christ's presence and his sacrifice of redemption in the liturgy, right? And we see this particularly in, um, we see this particularly in the Holy Eucharist. Uh, so many beautiful things, and let me stop rambling. Um, let us go into John chapter 15. Jesus is the true vine. So here, I might have more to say about um, John chapter 14, we shall see. But, <laughs> always so much to say. We're going to see that John 15 goes on to offer the final I am saying. He's going to say, I am, or Jesus is going to say, I am the true vine. My father is the vine grower. You are the branches. So this vine, this vineyard metaphor, it really teaches that Jesus connects believers to God, the source of life, right? Um, the source of life. They must remain in Jesus, right, to sh to survive and flourish. And Jesus adds, um, to us that we can only remain in Him through the Spirit. Again, going on with the Spirit, right? So here, let us read all of John fifteen. The vine and the branches. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit. One that does he prunes, and so that it bears more fruit. You are already pruned because of the world of the word that I spoke to you. Remain in me as I remain in you, just as a branch cannot bear fruit. On its own, unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit, because without me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them and throw them into a fire, and they will be pruned, or they will be burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask for whatever you want, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father will be glorified, my, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father loves me, so I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my commandment. Love one another as I love you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I've told you everything I have heard from my father. It was not you who chose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear that fruit that will remain. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, love one another. The world's hatred. If the world hates you, realize that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, the world would love its own. 
But because you do not belong to the world and I have chosen you out of the world, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you, no slave is greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they will also keep yours. And they will do all these things in to you on account of my name, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But as it is, they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me also hates my father. If I had not done works among them that no one else ever did, they would have not son. They would have not sinned. But as it is, they have seen and hated both me and my father. But in the order that the word written in their hearts might be fulfilled, they hated me without cause. When the advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth that proceeds from the Father, he will testify to me, and you will also testify, because you have been with me from the beginning. Abiding in Jesus, John 15, it opens with this, with again, Jesus' seventh saying, I am. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Right? Different translation, but same. Right? So, and then we see a few sentences later, verse 5, he restates that saying with a different emphasis. I am the vine, you are the branches. So, together, these two versions, they position Jesus as the mediator between the father and us, of course. Right? We're seeing this. And significantly, Jesus claims to be the true vine. This imagery, um, or there is imagery in um, the Old Testament. It characterizes uh, Israel as a vine or a vineyard right? in every instance. Um, but Isaiah 27, um, Isaiah the vine is judged in, is judged unfruitful. But the Lord's pron pronouncement in Jeremiah chapter 2 21 exemplifies the patterns as i planted you as a choice vine from the purest stock how then did you turn degenerate and become a wild vine so in contrast with this wild vine of jeremiah's contemporary nation jesus is the ideal genuine vine right there's this other another example of jesus being the true model of jude judaism against um contemporary practices right He does not replace simply the temple, the exodus, a feast, a patriarch, or a religious institution. He completely incorporates the new people of God. Right? He's all those things. And this. Complete. So from Jesus grow vigorous branches that yield a very healthy harvest for God. The vine, the vine growing. Right? John here, he makes a play on words in verses 2 and 3. To extend for this this metaphor, the father removes ra unfaithful, unfruitful branches, and he prunes katharia and fruitful ones that had already been cleansed. Kathoro, right? These are the Greek. And so both the promise and the warning they're unmistakable, right? An abundant life. In the caring hands of the Father will come, albeit with some personal pruning, right? But just as surely those same hands 
also will take away the dead wood. Dead wood. So apart from Jesus, a life withers away. But united with Jesus, life flourishes. Jesus exhorts his disciples to continue to abide in him and bear fruit. And in this context, we see bearing fruit involves keeping Jesus' command and loving one another. And we also saw this in chapter 13. So the link between love and obedience has precedent in the relationship between the Father and Son. The Son expresses his love for the Father by obeying him. We saw this at the beginning of the chapter. So there, this supreme act of love, according to the next verse, verse 13, is to die for your friends. Right? Of course. Now Jesus says this, and then he immediately calls the disciples his friends. Here he's revealing the motive for going to the cross. He's laying down his life because he loves his followers. He loves us. There's this self-sacrifice of his that enables and exemplifies the qualities that are to mark a Christian relationships, right? There's this respect. Um, um, neutrality, right? Intimacy, openness, responsibility, acceptance, and generosity. So if love is to distinguish interaction among his disciples, then Hate will characterize the world's response to them. Of course, we see that we, as believers, we will need everything we can get um, with our new relationship with God, right? We see this here. To withstand the coming wrath, right? We see the apostles, they go and they undergo so much persecution. And so in Jesus' absence, the world's hate will be directed on them, right? Those who are represents them. How the disciples of course there's some fortunate there's there's this good news. The disciples will not be abandoned in their crisis. Of course again the Jesus Jesus is going to send a powerful defender to their side, the Holy Ghost. With the help of the Spirit of Truth, we see we know even us we will maintain a faithful witness to the world on Christ's behalf with the Holy Ghost. Always. So beautiful. Here that. <clears throat> to love as Christ did means to love our neighbor unconditionally. Right? We see this. Christ manifested his, his love by laying down his life. Just furthering upon this, laying down his life. He teaches us charity it involves total self-giving for the good of the others we encounter right we may not always agree with others um but we might we might want um their whole good and they may not agree with us whether that means right um take the teachings of the church on um homosexuality for instance right um, the church desires the whole good of everyone, right? Um, and to love someone, um, as we're saying this, is to want the whole good 
for the other. And then beginning with those even closest to us, and we can see this, um, I'm sure some of us have struggled, or maybe still are struggling with those who um, we live with, right? Maybe our family members um, that maybe we are the uh, the ones that are practicing our faith in the family and others are um, in, the, in the family are not so much, right? And they can see sometimes um, if we are talking to talking about to the, talking about the faith to them, they might see this as pushy or something. Right? We all just want the good of the other. Um, unfortunately, not everyone's going to see it that way. But still, we must um, really exemplify Christ's love, and this is if we if we do not love. Um, those closest to us, we wouldn't tell them about Jesus. I heard from, uh, I don't remember what speaker it was, but um, they said, they said something along the lines that one of their friends had, um, I think it, it might have been Father Mike Schmitz, but I'm not really sure. Um, one, one, of, one of their friends had told them, I notice that you don't talk to me about Jesus, like, and you tell everyone else about Jesus. Like, you know, what about me? And he he didn't realize this, but really, truly, the speaker said he said, "Why wouldn't you tell um Jesus to everyone? If Jesus really changed your life, if Jesus you really love him, why aren't you going to talk to him? Why aren't you going to talk about him to everyone? Right?" We see that discrepancy there. Um, we shouldn't be um, tiptoeing or walking on eggshells about our faith. The The Lord, again, sends his Holy Ghost upon us that we may, even though we may not have the words at the time, he gives us the words. You know, um, we rely heavily, or we should rely heavily on him. I mean, I know just... As um, me and Joseph, as Bible study leaders, we rely so heavily on the Lord. You know, most of the time we're like, you know, where did that come from? The Lord is so good. He gives us the words. The Holy Ghost gives us the words. Um, we shouldn't be afraid, right? We see that um, so beautifully. The Holy Ghost is called um, Holy Ghost, our Comforter, the Comforter. Right? He comforts us and he comes to our aid. Our Holy Ghost. The, our strength, right? Because our strength doesn't come from ourselves. Without the Lord, we are completely weak. We are um, not, <laughs> quite honestly, we are not enough. And we see this in scripture. Um, but when he is in us and we are in him, that is when we are made strong. Right? And the, we continue to express and stress that importance of trusting in the Lord. Because only when, then, are we going to be strong? Or only then are we going to be able to um, battle all of these things that um, are thrown at us. Right. And we talked about the other day um, that those of our friends, maybe we see that, oh, it looks like they're living um, great lives. You know, they're not suffering as much as me. Maybe it's, maybe I should, you know, um, maybe it would be easier. We're not just religious because, oh, it's going to um, 
and we know this is not true, all my problems are going to go away, right? Though it certainly it certainly does help, you know, um, to be religious and to deal with our problems like that. But that is not that's not the case at all. We still have this suffering. We know, as Catholics especially, we know that we must suffer, and suffer is to love. And we laid, you know, Christ. We see that Christ laid down His life. To suffer is to love, and to love is to suffer. Um, again, love is winning, or willing the good for the total good for the other. Um, it is more than a feeling; it is an action. It's an act. You know, we love even when we don't want to, right? You staying in the Lord again. He loves us. We must love Him and. Turn, we love all of others. That is John chapter 15 for today. I could have so much more. Or I do have so much more to um, talk about. But if there are no questions, please feel free, though. Um, if there is anything anyone wanted to say, um, point out. Thank you so much. We will end in prayer. Um, and honestly, I recommend to re to reread this, you know, or um, look to more commentaries on. I mean, this chapter alone—it's so beautiful, and you know, to prepare, I was looking at some commentaries or or some paragraphs of the catechism, and the catechism just very beautifully just encapsulates everything, right? So so beautiful. I mean. This is our teaching. This is our faith. And we see how everything just beautifully goes together. Right? I mean, so beautiful. Well, <laughs> let me not ramble on. But we are, we will now, um, and in prayer. <laughs>